Good morning or good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Possibilities with Monique DeMeo. I'm very, very happy today to have with us Dr. Christina Versari. She is the founder and CEO of the San Diego University for Integrative Studies. Dr. Christina Versari has a PhD in psychology and a specialization in sports psychology. Dr. Versari has been the program administrator for the NB. PA Education and Career Development Program, responsible for the counseling services for all 30 NBA teams. She's worked with the Brazilian Olympic men's basketball team and continues to provide specialized services to individual professional basketball players. For roughly 30 years, Dr. Versari has transformed the lives of high-profile clientele and has been featured on national and international television and newspapers, including, but not limited to people, MSNBC, Fox News, CNN, LA Times, Sports Illustrated, Psychology Today, and the New York Times. We are so fortunate to have with us. Hello, and welcome, Dr. Rosari. Thank you for being on. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Well, hopefully, uh, people who, mostly people are listening, so that's good, right? So listening or, or watching, people can do both. Those of you who are listening, remember that we are also on YouTube. And those who are watching, we're also on all of our podcast channels. Dr. Versari has such a depth and breadth of not only sports psychology, but the she specializes in mindset. So my first question to her is going to be, you've been working with professional athletes in all sorts of sports for over 30 years. What has that taught you about the human mind? What I've learned over the years is that, and it also fascinated me, I find this fascinating, they were all the same. And one day I was working with an NBA player, and he was telling me about phobias and the fears and anxieties. And the day before, I was working with, at a crisis center with patients that were suicidal, and they were telling me the same things. And I realized we're all the same. You know, people are the same and you can do whatever you want with what you have and you can achieve at any level that you want as long as you make that decision and you do what it takes and you believe in yourself. So there, there are certain factors that contribute to whether someone is going to be successful or not. But in my opinion, we are all the same. We have the same problems. Everybody has bad days, we have great days, and we choose what to do with what we have. So elaborate a little bit on what you mean by we're all the same. What kinds of same problems did your crisis intervention work and your athletes work, how did they show up for you as the same? So we, in general, people think that successful people have some very special qualities that the rest of us doesn't have. We don't have that. We could never be that successful because there are certain things that they must have that we don't. And what that experience showed me, for like within 24 hours, I was talking to a, one of, a very successful NBA player, a veteran, telling me that he has was experiencing exactly the same problems as the person that I saw the day before that was in crisis and had done very little with their lives. So we all have problems. We all have the same types of problems. People have to choose 
what they're going to do with the, the qualities and the skills that they have. And, and anybody can pretty much do anything they want as long as they have a belief system and, and, and a support system. You know, certain things that you put in place that will help you accomplish at a higher level. We can all accomplish at a higher level than the level we're at at any time. So in working with performance enhancement with athletes, I work not only with uh, high-profile professional athletes, but I've worked at any level. Uh, one time I was working with a nine-year-old swimmer, you know, who said that this is the best thing that's ever happened, the best thing I've ever learned in my life. And, and he went on to use those skills. He was only nine. And then, you know, so you can, at any level, you can become better than whatever you're, whatever you're at at that time. So it's up to people to make decisions. What is the level of success that they want to accomplish and do what it takes? It's not easy. Nobody said it was easy. It takes work. It takes commitment. It takes determination. It takes a lot of discipline. But most people can do better than whatever it is that we're doing at any given time. Most of the time, we're not performing at our best, and we're not doing 100%. Most of us are performing at a certain percentage of what we're capable of. So let's say most of the time we're like 70 or 60% of our potential. Very few people are performing at the best that they could. And we all know that. We know we could do better. So, so elaborate on this belief system. I think you mentioned a belief system and then we kind of went into a different thought. But I, I think fundamentally you're talking, you're talking about belief systems. Can you elaborate a little bit on what that, how does that show up, a belief system? Whatever you believe, you know, whether you believe you can accomplish something or you believe you can't, you're right. <laughs> so the belief system, the belief system level is, is you'd never argue with someone at that level. Because whatever they believe, they're right. They believe they can be successful, they're right. You look at the, let's use the NBA as an example. There are players, there's, a, there's an NBA player that's 5'3". He had to have a very good belief system. Bugsy Bose? You know, at that height, yeah, 5'3", you have to have a very strong belief system that no one is going to tell you that you can't. And he proved that. How did he prove that? How, how did that happen? How was that even possible? Anybody would have told him, you know, that's not possible. That's never going to happen. Why did he stay? Why did he keep trying? Because he had a very strong belief system and he was right. So whether you believe you can accomplish something or you believe you can't, you're right. And there's no arguing with people at that level. It's, and, and at that same level is religious beliefs, political ideas. You know, we don't argue because you can't win. People have very strong beliefs about something. So if you, your belief system is that you can, you can do anything, which is, was my belief system. My mom told me you can do anything. You can do anything. She, she told me that my whole life, and I believe it. I believe I can do anything. So if it wasn't for that, I would not have done certain things that I did throughout my career because I had everything 
not to do it. You're going to say something? No, I was going to say, it's funny because I think I think I want to backtrack before we get into your, the professional athletes that you coach. It's you're an ex, you're a poster child of the belief system, as you just said. And I kind of want to put a pin in the fact that in front of me is a beautiful, gorgeous, say that again, smart woman who was in places she shouldn't have been in quotes. And I'm, I'm doing air quotes right now for those of you that can't see me. Yeah. So why don't you give us a little bit of context before we talk about your athletes? I want to talk about you. You came up through the ranks where they were all men. You were in a like talk about your journey from Brazil to the United States, what you had to face along the way. And then when you got here, you know who you were surrounded with and you just it didn't stop you. So just give us that journey in a capsulation form. I've decided at age 18 that I wanted to be a sports psychologist. And we didn't have sports psychology in Brazil, where I was. And in fact, I, I created the first sports psychology class at the university lab in Brazil. And then I felt that I was reinventing things and I wanted to advance my academic training and I wanted to work with elite athletes. And that's also based on the fact that I was a swimmer who never competed because I was always afraid. And I said, I want to help people with that. And I didn't have much interest in the other areas of psychology, but the sport was very attractive to me. So I came to San Diego to, for graduate school, finished my master's, my doctorate, and there was an opportunity to apply to work for the MBA, which I did, and I was chosen for the job. So I worked for the MBA for many years. But it wasn't until a year into that work that I realized I was the only woman doing it. I didn't know. <laughs> I love your ignorance is bliss, right? So you didn't even think about the fact that you were the only woman in the room. You're like, well, wait a minute. Hold on. I didn't stop to think about that. I, I could have noticed, you know, everywhere I go, I'm the only one. I didn't think about it. And I believe that that's one of the reasons why I have been in certain places where women don't get there, because I never thought that there was a limitation. I never thought there was any limitation. I didn't think there was any reason why I couldn't be there. So I, it never crossed my mind that, that there was anything in life that I couldn't do. Like I said, my mom said I could do anything, and she empowered us to do anything we want. I said, you can do anything. You can decide whatever you want to do, whatever you want to be. And I believe it. I believe her. So it never crossed my mind. I was too busy working. I was too busy helping people. I was too busy uh, helping the athletes and, and finding out what I could do for them to pay any attention to what was going on around me and, and entertain that idea that most women were not doing what I was doing. I never thought that being a woman was a limitation for me in life. So I wasn't paying attention until a year into the, the position that I was at a, a meeting, a league meeting with everybody else that works with the players and, and all the players. And I look around and it was just like, it just, I just look around and say, 
oh, this is interesting. <laughs> I'm the only woman here. So, can I, and I even asked them, where, where are the women? I said, well, there aren't anybody else that really working with the players at, at the professional level. I said, well, that's interesting. And I just continued to do what I was doing. So that aspect has never been relevant to me. Right. I've always believed I could do anything. And I think what matters is what you can do what you believe you can do and what you can. If you are providing something that's valuable to people, that people want, and, and you're serving those needs, nobody really cares. No one cares. No one ever approached me to talk about this. Like, and I said, I, I thought about it for five minutes, and I went back to doing what I was doing. So that was never relevant. And when you do something that if you have a service to provide, you have a skill that's needed. You have a knowledge base that they want. People don't care. They don't care if you're a woman, if, if you're a guy, if you're, what color you are, or where you came from. They don't care. You're providing what they need, and people will go for that. That, to me, that is the determining factor. It's not other qualities. So that would, that's what made you successful. I'm sure there are people who are listening to this saying to themselves, well, you don't know because in my world, you know, being a woman was a problem and so on and so forth. And what, we're going to have that. I think there's going to be some women that are going to say that that has been a, a limitation of some sort, but it's, we're back to mindset. If you allow it to become a limitation, it will. I think there's some, there's some listeners, there's some listeners to the podcast that would say, oh, Monique, oh, Dr. Versari, you don't understand my world. You don't understand that I'm in a male-dominated field. And, and I came from a male-dominated field too. So I get that. Um, you know, being a woman is a limitation. And to which I think your answer is, if you allow it to be a limitation, it will be, correct? Yes. <laughs> uh, it doesn't mean that those things didn't happen to me. I have experienced almost everything that you just said. I just move on. Right. Things are set up in a certain way, and it's not up to me. And when I'm in a position to make to change, I will change. Until then, I move on. I don't spend any time thinking about it, feeling sorry for myself, wishing. People were different. I have no power or no control over people, what they think, how they behave, what they do. I move on. Okay, this in this environment, it's not working out for me. It, so I want you to know that those things have happened to me. But usually, I only realize years into it, I, I'm a school owner. I, I'm the owner of a university. And I have been for 24 years. It wasn't until like two years ago that I was at a private school conference that I go every year and I look around and I say, interesting, there aren't very many women there are school on it. Like it never, for over 20 years, they didn't think about it. So if you think about those things, if I did think about that, I wouldn't have done it. Somebody has said, you know, there aren't very many women there are successful school and why are you going to bother with that? I would say, yeah, you know, maybe I shouldn't do that. So you start your mind to start debating things. I never ask those questions. If it's something I want to do, there's a reason for that. 
It's part of my purpose. It's my mission. Can I do a good job? Can I help people in the process? I'll do it. There you go. It took me almost 20 years to realize that there aren't very many. And it, to this day, they're like, wow, it, you know, there's not very many women that do that. The One of the uh, beginning podcasts that we had, um, Dr. Karen Latimer, she's an MD physician, and she said the same thing. She said, you know, if I had known how difficult it was going to be to get into medical school in the United States, to become a physician, to become all the things that I ended up doing, I probably wouldn't have even tried it. But because she didn't know back in those days, you couldn't Google, you know, acceptance rates, Harvard or, you know, women in the profession or whatever that sometimes not having the knowledge to limit yourself is what we need to actually just try it because we don't know any better. Yes. We had, we had many challenges, many challenges. I don't know if it's more or less than the schools that are owned by men, but I remember one night on a Friday night, like 2 a.m., you know, like Saturday already, we're writing a report. We had this deadline, and I look around the table. There were nine women there. And I thought, and I asked them, do you think we're having to do all this because we're women? You know, and they all look at me and say, I don't know. So none of us have ever considered that. Interesting. But there's been some challenges that we had to overcome that it has crossed my mind. But if you stay on that thought, it's guaranteed that you're not going to succeed. So you have to move on and get over it. You know, and if you're not willing to deal with that, then don't get into certain things in life. Mm. You know, there's easier ways to live life. You don't have to try being a school owner. You know, <laughs> you don't have to work with elite athletes in the NBA. You don't have to do any of the things that you did. But your your choices are very interesting. Um, you know, we talked about traits of um, the most successful athletes. And, and we, maybe we want to draw the correlation from athletes to people. But in any, in any event, you have 30 years of knowledge of, of hands-on coaching and working with elite, elite, top of the food chain. What are the most common traits from the most successful ones? Uh, the most successful athletes at any level, again, you know, whatever level they're at, professional, elite, Olympic, college, high school, whatever level, they know what they want. That's the number one. They know what they want. They have a clear idea about what they want. If you ask that question, what would you like to accomplish? They know exactly. They're very clear about their goals. And in many times, compared to where they're at, it's like, wow, okay, but, you know, if you believe it, you can do it. So they know what they want, and they're willing to pay the price. It's not immediate gratification. It's going to take time. It's, it's going to require a lot of discipline, a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of determination, a lot of sacrifice, and they do it. They don't talk about it. They don't complain. They train. So they're very clear about what they want. They, they're clear about what they have to do, and they pay the price. They're also very open to suggestions, they have mentors, they look for ideas from people that have been successful in doing what they're trying to do, and they're always trying to learn more. 
You know, they want to learn something else that could help them get to that level. They, they don't stop. They, they act hmm. and, they, and they get there. It's very clear that the ones that have accomplished the highest level, they're very clear. And then there's also some qualities but they're not <laughs> the opposite. The people that sometimes they may be at a higher position in terms of their accomplishment, but they don't last very long. And those are people that are not the right fit. I think personality type, yeah, it's a huge factor that determines those qualities. A lot of players are not the right fit for the position that they're playing or the sport that they're playing, and they get injured more often. So tell me, wait, put a pin in that one. Put a pin in that. Explain explain to the audience what you mean for not the right position or not the right fit. Like give an example of what you mean by that so that they can concept it, right? Um, I, I study personality type and personality profile, and I have tested hundreds of NBA players and athletes from 22 different sports. So there's the test that I use called the Myers-Briggs type indicator. Oh, yeah, we know it. Yeah, It has shown there's enough data that shows that people are attracted to certain careers based on their personality type. Mm -hmm. And that's also true in sport. People are attracted to certain sports based on their personality type. So I start, I thought that was fascinating. I said, I wonder if all basketball players have the same type. So I start testing, and they do. They do. There's about three or four personality types out of 16 that define the typical profile of the professional basketball players. And then I test swimmers. And I start going to all the different sports, and they're the opposite. People in individual sports have a different personality type. And what I've learned in the NBA, the people that had – a different personality type as the typical type, they got injured more often. One time I was talking to three players in a meeting, and I was explaining this. I said, people that have this personality type like you, they, they tend to get injured more often. They look at each other and said, all three of us are injured right now. <laughs> and I said, okay. So that confirms. <laughs> and I had a lot of experience. <laughs> they just don't fit. They don't fit. It's not the right fit for their personality to be where they're at. But you can't say, I'm just going to quit. When people are not the right fit for a job, they quit. I don't like this job. They don't know why. This is not right for me, and they quit. But when you're making millions of dollars a year and you work so hard to get there, you can't just say, I'm going to quit. But what happens, they get injured. So your brain will do whatever it takes to protect you from pain. And if it's such a painful experience every day, they get injured and they get pushed out of the teams. It's very interesting to me that you would use also something, Myers-Briggs, which is in business, so ubiquitous. We use the pre predictive index, for instance. I love the predictive index. And then Recently, I was certified in the why, uh, which is a you know out of uh, offshoot of Simon Sinek's philosophy of find your why and what makes you tick and all that stuff, and the idea that you would have common threads in these elite or prof elite professional athletes within the sports that they select 
in their lives is so fascinating. And there's team, there's team dynamics and there's individual dynamics and how that plays out. With the teams, it's fascinating. Can I give you an example Please. of a yes. team yes. situation? Yes. I, I, I love this example. When I went to work with a, a national basketball team, everybody from the team came and told me about this one player There was a problem. You know, he's a problem. It's a problem in practice. And everybody came and told me about this person. And then I asked. I was, no, I didn't know anybody. And I asked somebody, I said, how long has he been on the team? And said, 12 years. <laughs> and I said, well, why do you keep this person back? <laughs> you know, if it's such a problem, what's the reason? Oh, because he's really good at this, this, and that. I said, okay. So that's what happened with teams. So in, in the pers- this person's type is a, he's a troubleshooter. He's a troubleshooter. He, he saves the team when they're losing. When they're losing, they send him out there. He's a troubleshooter. He loves to work under pressure. He has ideas, very creative. So he comes up with new ideas and ways to, to create something new, and they, he saves the team. But in practice, he's bored. He's bored. He did, his practice routine is very boring. So he's complaining. He doesn't like practice. And, and the coach will say, do this. And he'll say, well, can we do this other way? because they need variety. So once I explained this, this player came to me and he said, this is the first time in my life that I felt okay. Oh. A very successful person, medical doctor, and misunderstood because it was an atypical type for that setting. People like people that think like themselves because there's no conflict. You know, if you're in a meeting, everybody thinks like you, you say, we'll do this. And they say, okay, great. They all take notes. Okay, everybody's happy with that. But you want people that are different. You want people that have ideas different than yours. Yeah. You don't want everybody thinking alike. You're never going to create something new. That's right. So every team, every basketball team has one or two players. They're different. They're atypical type. And they're the ones that creates something new. So the typical type is not, they are not the most successful players. The most successful players are the ones that create something new. So they're the atypical type. Right. And that's why we have to be really careful with personality type because we say, okay, this is the typical type for basketball. Yes, but that doesn't mean all these people are going to be the successful players. That means there are more players of this type, but the successful ones are the ones that are different. And you never know what that is going to be. Well, wouldn't that be the same thing in business too? Like if you think about, if you think about the standouts, you know, the ones who created industries or created products, they were different. They were outliers, whether it's Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos, they were all outside the normal. Yeah. And they're creative. They are creative types. But they're not easy. They're not easy to work with. Exactly, because the people that are easy to work with, they're just like you. And a lot of leaders and a lot of managers, they want to hire people that are just like them. Because to us, the best personality type is our type. That's the best one because it's easy. You know, so if you are an organized person, you want everybody that you that you hire that works for to be exactly the way you are. 
they organize things the same way, they do things the same way, and think alike. But the problem with that is that you're never going to come up with anything different. So depending on the setting, you want to bring people that are different. Even if you are as a manager or as a leader, as a boss, even if you are uncomfortable. Can I tell you something about that? So I had on the podcast the former CEO of a couple of pharmaceutical companies, Tiffany Olson. She has run companies, Roche Diagnostics, you know, MetJet. She's run multiple huge pharma companies, billions of dollars. And she said the same thing. She said, if I surround myself with the same kinds of people, I only need one person. I need diversity in thinking and approach in thought process. It's not just size, shape, color, form, gender, whatever. It's thoughts. It's the way that you approach the business or the sport. In your case, you just talked about the sport. You're talking about the same thing. You're talking about the fact that you may not be comfortable with those people who think differently than you approach life or business or sports differently. But ultimately, the success of the team, corporate or sport, depends on that diversity. Yes. And you have to be open-minded to listen to them. You know, you need to hire people that are going to do things without you just telling them what to do. People there, they can think on their own. They can come up with ideas. And you have to listen. You don't want to hire just people that know less than you do. You want to hire people that know more than you do. And they can they can tell you what to do. <laughs> but most managers want somebody that knows less than they do and they just follow directions. Then you, you can very easily predict what's going to happen. Things are just going to stay the same. So that's that's a good one. You more yeah. So you know the ne- that goes, follows into the next question. So. As a woman in sports, in sports psychology specifically, who's, you know, succeeded in this context, what would you say to the professionally minded women that are listening to this podcast about their own lives and how they could sort of leverage what you've learned over the last 30 years? Uh, Tell people what you've done. Don't tell them what you're going to do. Because when you have high goals... There's a lot of people around you, especially the people that are the closest to you. They're going to say, no, you shouldn't do that. You know, that, no, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's a crazy idea. Most people that have created something uh, very successful, something new, something different, people told them they were crazy. <laughs> so you don't want to hear that. You don't want to hear that. So tell people what you've done. Don't tell people what you're going to do. Write your goals, write your steps. The only people that you share that with is the people that are going to support you. Those are mentors. People that have accomplished at a higher level themselves, they know you can do it. And they're going to encourage you and they're going to give you ideas and suggestions because they had to go through the same thing. There's a recipe to success. So you go to someone that has already done what you're trying to do and you ask them, what suggestions do you have for me? And I've always done that. At every job I've had, I would go to somebody. If I wanted to do some new project, I had some ideas, I would go to someone that had already done that, and I asked them, what, what should I do? What, what do you suggest? How did you do that? And they tell you step by step. It's like a, a cake recipe. They have a recipe to success. 
and they'll tell you exactly. And if you take the same steps, you'll get the same results. I've done it that way, and I know that works. But anytime you tell people, oh, I have some ideas, and you share your business idea, and the people say, I think that's crazy. I don't know. Are you sure you can do that? So people are going to create doubts in your mind, and that's the last thing you need. So don't share your goals. Keep that to yourself. Only talk about that with people that will support you and help you to get there. And then tell everybody else what you've done. Actions speak louder than words, right? So in the in my book, I talk a lot about you know choices and time and voice and career and internal narratives and external narratives. And I think in some direct or indirect manner, we've touched upon all of these things. One of the things that seems to resonate, and I don't know if you've had a, a thought on which one sort of spoke to you the most, but it seems that you talk about choice a lot. I do. I, I think... Your life is going to be whatever you choose to do with it. You have, we're all different. We have qualities. Nobody's perfect. We all have negative qualities that you can work on. And you make choices. We, we hear stories about people that came from nothing, that their entire environment, no one has ever gone to college, nobody has ever left that environment, and they did. How did they do that? You know, they, they, they chose. They made decisions. You make a decision. You choose that you don't want to live like that for the rest of your life. You want to be in a better position yourself. So not only you can help yourself, but you can help your friends, your relatives, you know, wherever you came from. So choice is very important. But uh, the one chapter that I liked it's about implementation. Implementation is critical because a lot of people have dreams and then it, they turn that into goals, but they don't do anything with it. What's going to determine whether you succeed or not are your actions. And it's not what you do once in a while. It's what you do every day, consistently, every single day. That's what's going to determine whether you succeed in life or not. So the implementation part is very important. And I see that a lot in, in companies, uh, in my own business, we have meetings, everybody has ideas. We can do this, we can do that, and everybody loves the ideas, and nothing gets done. <laughs> Why? There's no action. We're not leaving this meeting until we write down the steps we're going to take to do any of those things that you're talking about, They're, they sound amazing, but who is going to do what, when? If we don't have that list, it's not going to happen. Next meeting, we're going to be talking about the same thing again. So there has to be an action plan. And the implementation process, how are you going to do this? How? How are you going to do this? How are you going to make it happen? Who is going to do it? When? What resources do we need? What do we already have? And make it happen. If you have a written plan, you can do anything. <laughs> but when it stays at the idea level, you know, the dream, the ideas, when it stays at that level, you keep talking about this forever. People talk about their, their ideas forever. They have inventions, something to invent. And no one has ever done this. I have this idea. I said, do it. You can't just keep it the idea level. You have 
to do it. So you need a plan of action and you have to do it and you have to do it consistently. The other thing that's critical with the implementation is to work on yourself, you know, the personal development, because as you go into some idea, some project, something that you want to implement in your life that's going to make a big difference, you need to change. As you go, you learn that, oh, there's, you know, this is not very comfortable. I don't like this. Okay, you got to work on yourself. Or, or, or academic training or skills that you need. So you, ha- you have to continue to work on yourself at any point in life. Working on projects or not, because relationships are always there and, and we have no control over that. So you have to be always working on yourself. Awesome. So, Chris, Dr. Versari, I have to tell you, this has been a masterclass in so many things. I want to try to summarize some of the takeaways that I want our read- our listeners and watch viewers to, to uh, walk away with from you that are many, if I may try to uh, summarize some of this because it's, 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 it's a masterclass. I think we could do a workshop. Um, so you come from the premise. I'm going to summarize all this stuff and then I want you to just react to it. I want you come from the premise that we can all accomplish what what, what we want if we are willing to ta- do what it takes and have the belief system in ourselves that we can accomplish these things that we're all in some way shape or form have the ability to do what it what it takes to be successful if we so choose. You have an interesting perspective on not having had limitations of being a woman because it's something that you didn't consider. You didn't give it any thought and therefore it didn't stop you. So without this, this lens of a limiting belief, you weren't limited. The most successful athletes in your experience has been those who know what they want. They're very clear about their goals and they don't complain. They train. I love that. Don't complain, train. They're very open to being coached and they're open to suggestions and doing things differently. Um, and that has been part of their success. Those who are not successful are in the wrong environments or the wrong positions. And you have shown in your training and in your work, excuse me, that there are multiple personalities for each sport. And and, then that plays out in my world of business as well. So that these people potentially need to be put in the positions that match their personalities. The ones that are most successful don't talk, they act. They're very clear about what they want and what they want to accomplish. Your thought process on diversity is diversity of thought, of approach, of philosophy. And sometimes making people uncomfortable is exactly what they need to be better. Don't tell people what you're going what you you're going to do and share your your dreams, your goals and your aspirations, but rather tell them what you have done, what has worked. And, you know, have an action plan. Success is not going to happen unless you put the work in and choose to be in action. So you have to choose your attitude. You have to choose your mindset and you have to be willing to do the work to implement for that to happen successfully. Did I encapsulate everything you've said? Yes. Very good. Can I add one thing? Please. So if we talk about the, the positive qualities of the people that are successful. We talk about the qualities of the people that are not successful. And there's one thing, one issue in the one problem they all have, successful or not, it's relationship issues. 
all everybody has relationship issues. No matter how successful you are, that's one that everybody has to work on. And the reason is because there's someone else there. You have no control over the other person that you're involved with. So successful people, they know what to do to be successful, but they can't control what happens you know, when they interact with someone else. So all athletes that I've worked with, and the reason I'm mentioning this, because this is the number one issue that they have. The number one issue is not performance-related. It's not career-related. It's not transition-related. It's relationship-related. And I learned that also just by being there to talk to them about education and career transition. And the only thing they want to talk about is relationships, personal relationships, relationship with the coach, relationship with team members, relationships. That's the number one issue that people have. Wow. That's, that was really, that was awesome. So boy, if we unpack that, we've got a workshop for a couple of days. What do you think? It'd be a lot of fun. My goodness. I could see a lot of people want, getting a lot of value out of that, out of that workshop. So um, thank you, Dr. Versari. This has been an absolute pleasure. Hopefully everyone, uh, we're going to put some, some comments in the show notes, some links to Dr. Versari's bio and LinkedIn. If you want to reach out to her directly, we'll be sharing some shorts on social. So stay, stay tuned. Bye everyone. Thank you so much for listening to Possibilities with Monique DeMeo, where we unpack life as a female mover and shaker. If you like the show, please consider liking it or better still, subscribing to it and leaving us a rating. It truly does help. Also, you can pick up my book, The Seven Secrets to Creating a Life You Love, a practical guide for women in leadership. You can find the book, other episodes of this podcast, and how to stay in touch at moniquedemayo.com. D-E-M-A-I-O. I look forward to seeing you again soon. With gratitude, Monique.